Blog Talk Radio. Alrighty, and welcome to this installment of the Diardro Show. My name is Brian Diardo. We are now here with Brian Rosen. A little late start. We've been trying to coordinate a show last couple of nights, but we're making it happen. Never better late than never. Brian, man, there's a lot to talk about. Let's get right after it, man. First of all, I hope you've had a good week, buddy. Let's we'll get to the Blue Jackets. Let's talk some Cavs basketball first. Ron Williams on board now. Uh, the Warriors now have lost two games in a row. They lost to the Chicago Bulls. We're doing this podcast on a Thursday night. So give it to me straight, man. What's going on in Cleveland with the Cavaliers? Hello, hello. Hey, uh, life's good. Life's life's very good. It's almost the weekend. Best day of the week to me. Thursday, love it. You got a lot to look forward to. I, I feel good, man. I'm feeling good. Uh, the Warriors, this is something. you got a great memory, so I want to ask you. This is going to prove how little we prepare for this. Um, my question <laughs> is, my question is, do you know, is this the first time they've lost consecutive games in two seasons? Do you have any idea if that's yeah. true? Yep, they said that tonight. Yep, that is 100%. true. Right? I was just going off, I was just going off memory. Um how about that? <laughs> it's like, that's I mean, an incredible spree. I mean, no matter what you want to say, and I, and I, I hate the Warriors passionately, but, man, that is absolutely just ridiculous. First time they've lost two games in a row since the, the year that they won their, you know, their championship over the Cavs. That's just oh, unbelievable. That, that level of regular season dominance is, is unheard of, but, hey, I like it because keep keep focusing on the regular season and putting all the efforts there, and, and, and let's see what happens when ultimately all that really matters is who wins for the final seven in the inevitable NBA finals. For those who missed last week's podcast, I've guaranteed that the Cavs make the NBA finals. If the Cavs do not make the NBA finals, I will get a tattoo of Chief Wahoo. Now, I love Chief Wahoo, as I've said. But I'm not a tattoo guy. I got no beef with those that like tats. Just not my personal style, my thing. But I'm owning it. If the Cavs don't do it, no matter what injury, anything that could happen, uh, to get fixed, you know, I'm 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 owning it. So, um, yeah. But but Cavaliers uh, have added Brian some great pieces, and you know, to kind of kick off our love it and hate it segment for tonight as we started the last couple of shows, love it or hate it. I'll start with my love it, and that is the magician David Griffin, which is a terrible, you know, nickname, and it's not actually his nickname. But, man, Cavaliers actually managed to drop payroll and lower the luxury tax burden for Dan Gilbert in getting rid of, what, Mike Dunleavy? Mo Williams, Jordan McRae, and we're able to add Darren Williams, Derek Williams, Andrew Bogut. I I mean Kyle Korver. It, it's 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 unbelievable how great a job David Griffin did. And you know, to me, I don't think this is really a groundbreaking thing to say, but this is the best team the Cavs have ever had. This team is better. This team is deeper, stronger than last year's Cavs team. Obviously, we don't know what the result's going to be, but unbelievable job by David Griffin. LeBron complained. I think it was mostly to create, to manufacture controversy. But David Griffin, I mean, what can you say? A phenomenal job by him, Brian. Yeah, I mean, he he's brought the whole thing together. And the thing that, you know, anybody that watches sports in this day and age understands it's not like, you know, the 90s Bulls, you could recite who's, you know, in the lineup every single, you know, year, year in, year out. You know, 90s Indians, very much the same thing, even though a couple of pieces changed from the beginning of the run to the end. But, you know, in the 1990s post, you know, to today's era of sports, that last 20-odd years of free agency, I mean – you're going to have interwinding pieces around your stars every year. I mean, you look at, you know, the amazing thing is, Brian, and this is this is random, James Jones has been LeBron's teammate since 2010. I mean, he's won just as many championships as LeBron. He's been in just as many finals. You, you, you think about all the different teammates like LeBron's had, Norris Cole, Mario Chalmers, Chris Bosh, 
uh, you know, Kyrie Irving now, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Love. I mean, you look at all, Mike Miller on two different, you know, all the different things. Yeah, Mike Miller with Cleveland. I mean, but but it just goes to the, the, the great GMs will always surround the great players with the right pieces, even if it's keeping guys like James Jones. Then you bring in other guys. I mean, Kyle Corver, Brian, last night they said, He's already made more threes uh, in Cleveland than he did with Toronto. Or, I'm sorry, Atlanta, uh, or whichever team he was on prior to coming here. Uh, it, it, you know, it's amazing how – I mean, he struggled at the beginning, uh, and we talked about that in one of our earlier podcasts with, you know, uh, one of their losses I think was Golden State. They were getting blown out, and, but LeBron kept passing, passing, passing to Corver just to let him know that, hey, man, like here's, here's the passes I'm going to be giving you. And you're going to have to learn how to, how to always have your head on a swivel because when a linebacker hitting a receiver, I'm going to be hitting you with passes you're not used to seeing. Get used to it. And Darren Williams last night, you know, they had a chance to win that game. And I thought, Brian, that, that LeBron had the perfect attitude after that loss. He goes, hey, you know, we played a great game. They played a greater game. And that happens. You know, Duran was open. We got the shot we wanted at the end. He just didn't make it, and he goes, that's it. And, uh, you know, Duran said after the game that, that he uh, hopes and he thinks that he can play with Kyrie. That it just won't be a deal where he's the backup quarter, uh, you know, backup point, quarterback there, backup point guard. So I'm excited for it, Brian. Uh, I don't know much about the other acquisition, so maybe you can you can apprise us more about that. But in terms of Duran Williams, I didn't even know, Brian, that he was a starter all 47 games prior to coming here. So this was someone that was a still in this league a full time starter and and was doing well. I mean, you know, we're on you know seven assists a game, thirteen, fourteen points. This wasn't a guy that was a backup. Like Mo Williams knew he was coming here to back up. I mean, his days were were you know what you'd say three or four years past his prime. So um, I, I I don't know. I personally am, am am thrilled with this move. And Griffin, to you to to your point, to bring this whole thing home, has done a great job. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and Andrew Bogut's been a starter his entire career. Uh, he started. He was off off the bench a few games with Dallas this year. Um, or not Dallas. I'm sorry. I'm 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 mixing up. It might have been. I'm mixing up my teams. I think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but see, that's Andrew the NBA. Bogut's they go everywhere, been, Brian. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Andrew Bogut has. I mean, the guy started his entire career. It's 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 absolutely unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, I want to get back to cat to the Cavs. Um, but I do want to, for the sake of trying to have some sort of semblance of organization for, sure. for our DeAndre show, <laughs> uh, let me know. Do you have a love it that you want to uh, you want to share with us tonight, and then we'll move to our hate it and definitely pick up uh, more on the yeah, NBA gonna, discussion. I know we're going to talk about KD. Absolutely. Oh yeah, we, lots to discuss. What? But but I agree with you, Brian. We need organization on the DeAndre show, so I, I like that. My. My love it is the uh, – and then I'll just roll with the hate it, and then you can have it – you can take us home. My love it um, is going to be the Steelers, man. I mean, they're they're signing everybody. I mean, this week, you know, they, they signed Antonio Brown. In a matter of an hour, they franchised Bell, and they made Antonio Brown the highest-paid receiver in the league. And uh, when they asked uh, Steelers GM about, it, uh, you know, the combine yesterday, pretty much said – you know, yeah, I have no problems giving that money. We never had problems giving that money. All the Facebook Live stuff, like, that was all the media. In, internally, we never bulked at it. You know, he, he made a mistake. He's a young guy. Uh, the Steelers are fully committing to their players. They're, they're letting their players in the organization know that if you, if you are a great player for us and you're a great person for us, we will take care of you for life. And Antonio Brown now is, is, is now the second highest paid receiver or, or player in Steelers history. Ben is number one. Ben, if he fi- finishes out his contract, will make about $215 million in his career, over $200 million. There's maybe five NFL players that can say they've made that much money, maybe less. Uh, they're, they're right now currently working on a deal to make, you know, to get Bell his money. And it's, according to NFL Network, it's going to set the president. So, the Steelers are going to have the top two highest-paid players their positions on offense, and Roethlisberger, who I would argue, I would guess, is top three or four. Uh, and then when you look at his cumulative earnings for his career, he's probably two to Tom Brady. Um, he's probably not much off of what Brady's made because New England doesn't pay their guys. Conversely, New England is letting everyone go. Chris Long, the Hightower's probably out of there, uh, Dante Hightower. Um, I, I just saw a report today Danny Amendola is probably heading out of town. 
New England pretty much rents guys for championships and then they move on. It's it's not just now a battle of uh, uh, it's it's a battle of philosophies now. The Steelers are paying their guys and the Patriots are renting them. I'd rather buy my players and not lease them. That's my love it. And for hate it, because I, I would take us home. If you want, unless you'd like to enter, uh, enter, enter in with yours first, Brian. No, no. Go ahead. You can do hate it, and I'll finish up with hate it. All right. Here's my hate it now. Conversely, my hate it was I was visiting Pittsburgh this weekend, seeing the family, and it's the Penguin fans' reluctance to accept Columbus as a threat. And it's funny because I'm a Penguin fan, but when I but I like the Blue Jacks a lot. <clears throat> if you followed the show. You guys know that. Um, it's not my fault that they didn't make the Blue Jackets until I was 15 years old. <laughs> but I digress. In Pittsburgh this weekend, telling uh, you know my cousins, hey, you know what, the Pen- and my uncles and aunts, Penguins, the Blue Jackets are coming for you. And they said it's not a true rivalry until they win a playoff series. While I agree with them, I hate the smug, arrogant attitude sometimes of Pittsburgh fans. Just accept the fact that the Blue Jackets are good. Accept the fact they're not going anywhere. But I do have to agree with them from that standpoint. It really isn't a rivalry until the Blue Jackets beat them in a series or beat them for something that matters. That being said, I still don't like the the smug attitude of Pittsburgh fans sometimes. I can fully understand why Cleveland fans feel the way they do, most of them, about Pittsburgh fans. That's my hate. All right. All right. I I like it. I like it. So uh, you're – Love it and hate it both talked about Pittsburgh sports teams. So I can make this really easy and just say, you know, the Steelers, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit off the air, um, but I'm going to go with Colin Kaepernick. So for those who did not see, Colin Kaepernick has come out and said that he feels like he got his point across. He's now no longer going to kneel during the national anthem. So that's a good thing, right? Why would I hate it? Well, what it comes down to is did you stand for something or did you not? I personally – don't understand, and I, I don't like the idea of kneeling during the national anthem. So I'm against that to begin with. I think it's disrespectful to the troops. I think it's disrespectful to the country. And ultimately, I just don't, I don't know what you're really doing to make an impact. I believe in do something, not symbolically, but do something to make a real impact and to make, bring about positive changes. I think probably some of the reasoning – No, not probably. Some of the reasoning that Colin Kaepernick had and issues he has with this country are completely valid, and I have no problem with with them. Come out and you make a whole big deal. The guy sucked last year. He was replaced by Blaine Gabbert, who's so bad, such a bust. And yet, you know, we were talking about him. Instead of not talking about him like the rest of the 49ers, we were talking about him because of this whole standing up for the national anthem, kneeling for the national anthem bullshit. And now he's coming out and saying, I don't know if it's a strategic move because he's, he's going to be a free agent now and he's looking to, you know, make sure he's in the good graces of as many teams as possible. I don't know. The guy's gotten his money, and he's not going to be successful, it doesn't appear, moving forward. Um, so that's, that, that's my hated Colin Kaepernick. Um, let's, I do want to stick with basketball uh, for a moment because there, there is a lot going on basketball-wise, and I'd like to talk about and get your take on uh, the Kevin Durant injury. So KD went down, hyperextension of his knee. Uh, All reports seem to indicate that the playoffs should not be in peril at all. Uh, He should not have an issue getting back to the playoffs, may get a chance to play some regular season games as well. But I want to ask you not about the impact. Per se, because I think it's pretty obvious what the impact is. Without the depth, you know, the depth is not nearly as good as it was last year for the Warriors. But with Kevin Durant, not as big of a deal. So the impact, I don't think we need, needs to be discussed too much. I think the better question is, as a Cavs fan, what you know when you think about the Cavs, what's your reaction as a Cavs fan? Are you happy because you say, oh my gosh, if if something really did happen, he's not himself. The Warriors may not even get out. They'll be easier to beat. Are you happy or do you say, no, I want the Warriors and I want the Warriors healthy or as, at least as healthy as the Cavs are. I want it to be basically even, so at least somewhat evenly matched series so that the winner has to get it done. You can truly enjoy and appreciate and know how much that would have hurt not only Kevin Durant, the Warriors in general. 
So that that's the angle I want you to take this, Brian. As a Cavs fan, what's the reaction immediately, and what's the reaction as you think about I it? Have or an is it the same I have an emphatic answer for you, and the answer is I don't care what they look like. Whoever's in those shirts, they're blind. They're 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 nameless white faces or gray faces to me. It doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter who dresses. I don't care if uh, if uh, you know maybe if Curry got hurt, but even then, I mean, it didn't. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. At the end of the day, it says Golden State 2015 NBA champions. It doesn't say asterisk without Love and Irving playing. On the other side of the coin, it says Cleveland Cavaliers 2016 NBA champions. It doesn't say an asterisk. Bogut got hurt, and it doesn't say an asterisk. Uh, you know, their, their big man missed uh, game game uh, game five. Draymond Green. Nope. So to me, you know, I go look. I, I go back to 1989 NBA Finals. Magic Johnson got hurt in game two, uh, big, and and uh, you know Detroit swept uh, Los Angeles when the LA beat them in seven the previous year. When LA beat them, Isaiah Thomas was hurt for the last two games. This has happened so much in, in NBA history. Not necessarily during the Jordan era. It seemed like everybody was healthy during during that stretch. But you know, you go back to especially like I just said, you, know, you go back to the '80s. This happens a lot. No one remembers who was injured. Everyone remembers who won the hardware. And you know, I, I think you know for the next couple of years, people maybe might talk about it. Well, maybe Durant wasn't 100%. This or that. At the end of the day, uh, people count rings and. You know, and, and that's why last year when Bogut got injured, I thought, to be honest, kind of bringing things full circle with Bogut, I thought that was a big swing in the finals when Bogut got injured. Um, I thought that he was really a difference maker, and I thought, you know, he was giving Tristan Thompson some fit because he's a veteran. He's a smart player. He's played on the big stage. He's, I, I believe he did. He was on the 15 championship team with Golden State. Um, and I love the addition of Bogut. As long as he's healthy, you know, when, when a player gets a little longer in the tooth as he is, he's not an ancient player, but I, I would guess he's 32 or 33 by now, probably I think 32, about my age, but uh, I digress there. But no, Brian, to me it doesn't matter. I, I don't care. Uh, you know what? You, you dance with who, with who brought you. And whoever, you know, after the Cavs finals, I have no remorse for, for, for – uh, Anything that happens to them, not not at all, and, and that's where I know the old cliche is. And you know what? Sure, it would be nice to beat them at full strength, but at the end of the day, you're about winning championships, and it doesn't matter to me whatsoever. I, so I, pre- I, I like pretty fine on my thoughts there, Brian. <laughs> no, that's good. If you're not going to bring it strong, why bring it? There's no reason. So. You know, I will say, and this is not going to be nearly as strong as yours, so I'm going to, um, you know, say that right now. But, you know, I, my initial reaction, and that's part of the reason I asked it, and I didn't know if you had a different reaction. Obviously, you didn't. You were very passionate. I did have two different reactions. My initial reaction was, wow, this is kind of great. Like, Kevin Durant may be out, and, and I mean, man, we might be able to, you know, <laughs> Might be easier to beat them, or maybe we play the, the Spurs. But then my ultimately, as I thought more about it, I said, you know what? No, I, I'm sorry. And especially Kevin Durant. I want Kevin Durant in there. Look, Kevin Durant went from a team in the Thunder that should have played the Cavs in the NBA Finals. They should have. There's no doubt in my mind. And it didn't yeah. happen. And then he goes to the Golden State Warriors. And it's like, you know what? I want this guy, and I, I, I want, again, I want them to be as equally as healthy as the Cavs. If, I may, if, if Kyrie Irving gets hurt, I want Durant hurt, you know, <laughs> if that's going to end up being the final. Oh, yeah. But I want really to beat them. And I think in part, to, 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 and it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter, and it's so stupid that it does. And to be fair, it does a little bit, only a little bit, what I'm about to say. Because I would still be so jacked if the Cavs won a championship. But there was, you know, the, the, there is that small part of me, and I shouldn't feel this way considering the year's finals especially. There was like, man, I, I don't know, Draymond Green was suspended. I, I kind of want this one, and I want there to be no questions asked. I want it to be, look, the Cavs, it was no fluke. The Cavs got it done. They did what they had to do to win the championship, even though it took a monumental upset and it could have went either way considering it was 79-79 forever. And the Cavs managed with Kyrie Irving, of course, the shot, um, able to, to get the Cavs there. 
But I think when you when you consider the historical context, I think you brought up you brought up a tremendous point, and that is that it's it, it's never equal reverse equal usually. I, championships mm-hmm. by that point look have with the Indians last year. You know the Indians like our Cubs fans going to feel like hey we stole this championship. No. Nope. So why should I <laughs> nope. feel as though? Why should I feel as though that? I feel bad at all, especially considering when exactly. if you want to be thinking about it, you could make probably – not probably, you could make a very clear case that if Kevin Love and Kyrie don't go down and if Draymond's not suspended, the same number of championships occur, but maybe not in the same order. It all evens out at the end of the day. I think, I think when you look at the first – I think if you look at these last two championships, they both should be tied at one. I think Cleveland should have won it in 15 – and I think that Golden State was a better team in 16. I'm not taking away what Cleveland did because anytime you blow a three to one lead, I'm never going to say you, you should have won it. You had your chance. But I, I think that going into this year, both teams should have one ring, and they both do, and they both evened out. Either maybe if they shouldn't have won the year they actually won them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing that I do want to say, and this I am passionate about, and maybe stupid. But I am, and I know other Cleveland fans that feel the same way. I'm sorry, three one is funny. I don't care that the Indians blew a three run lead. Three one lead. I don't care because it's, it's different so in different. baseball and though. The you're, you're absolute, no, it's not just baseball. You're an idiot. I'm sorry. If you want to compare the two, you're an idiot. But more than being an idiot, you're right. a liar. It's so simple. The Cavs were, like you said, objectively maybe not even the better team. Cavs do something that's never happened before. Again, the best regular season team. I'm getting fired up here. The best regular season team in the history of the and NBA. The best regular season team. 73 wins. Better than 72 wins. 72 and 10. Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan. So that that is an upset. That no one is talking about it because the stupid effing cops. It drives me nuts. We're getting disrespected because yes, I get it. More people in Chicago than the Cubs. It's all cute. It's a big deal. And I got so so much I could say about Chicago sports fans and Cubs fans. That's a whole other story. But, man, yes, I, on March 1st, it was 3-1. People were doing 3-1 day, and I was loving it. 3-1 is a positive to me. It's not a negative at all because I know, because I'm not an idiot, that the Cavs, what they did and what the Cubs did, and winning their championships, two completely different things. The Indians were the ones battered. They were missing their second and third. We were missing our second and third starters. Carlos Carrasco, Danny Salazar. And even Trevor Bauer managed to get hurt and, and, and because of the drone, you know, BS. And we were able to avoid that. So, you know what? Hey, I'm going to enjoy 3-1 forever. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I lit a metaphorical victory cigar when the Warriors officially – Lost their tenth, their their you know tenth game because I, it is important to me that the Golden State Warriors never break the Golden State Warriors record. I don't want that to ever happen because that, that you know you know why because that would mean Brian and I'll let you take this whichever way you want to go. What that would ultimately mean is that no, the Cavs could win no more championships. The Warriors could beat the Cavs another two or three times, but. If the Warriors never get to back to 73 wins, then the Cavs upset the best Warriors team and the best regular season team of all time. So I'll always have that, and I'll always be able to appreciate it. So, sorry, I, I, I don't know what got into me tonight, but it's a little later, and I'm jacked and fired up and, and, and I don't know, riveted. Well, I'm, I'm feeling you on that, and and the thing is, I've seen I've seen three to one happen so many times in in baseball. I you know actually, I mean, as a pirate fan, I've seen. Uh, I remember, I think it was uh, it may have been the '91 NLS. The Pirates had a three games to one lead and blew it against the Braves or something of that nature. So, um, so I've seen it before. I mean, and and look at the Cubs. I mean, the uh, you know the Steve Bartman that they had a three to one lead uh, against. The Marlins, God, the Marlins, jeez, what a joke that franchise is. But uh, they're a joke down there now. I mean, they're owning everything, but I'll move on from that. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's to me, at the end of the day, it's, and here's the thing, I don't think twice, I don't even think about 
that that Indians had a three to one lead. I always I'm just the last results guy. I always look at the bottom line. Did you win? Did you lose? And really, even in Super Bowls, I don't. You know, I used to give you know teams credit for going to the Super Bowl and playing hard. You know, the teams that lost. I don't really think that way anymore. It's 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 bottom line result. I mean, if if Atlanta were to lost by forty in Super Bowl fifty one, I wouldn't think any differently of them now. If they as the way they lost, it was you know overtime. It doesn't matter to me. They lost the game. So that's to me why when when you ask about the injury thing, I will never feel bad for the other team or feel good. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, it's it, it's it again. They're 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 everybody on that other team is just the faceless, nameless opponent, and uh, they're not caring how we feel. I mean, LeBron James is. Is, is 32 years old right now, playing pretty much almost every single night. I and mean, I remember, uh, I think it was his first year in Cleveland, he took two weeks off, and that was right after he turned 30. And I remember thinking, oh, boy, is this kind of the beginning of the end for LeBron? Because he, Brian, is is still playing at a level that I've never seen. I mean, he his 30s are better than Jordan's 30s. And I, I still put Jordan as, as the best player I've seen in my lifetime. You know, it's a shame because Kareem was just, you know, very, very early in my life and Magic as well. Larry, I have no recollections of Larry Bird, uh, unfortunately. I mean, I've seen a lot of highlights, but unless you saw him live, it's really tough tough to really understand how good someone was. That's why, you know, every time I ask somebody over 40 who's the best running back ever, they always say Jim Brown. I mean, now it's getting, I guess, closer to 50 and up. Our parents' age, I guess, Brian. Uh, but, but, but I think the reason why – and I'll give it back to you after this point, I would go with the Cavs right now. And, and you're starting to hear more people say that, which is funny because Golden State is 50-11. and 11. I mean, they're still the best team in the league record-wise. Now San Antonio is closing the gap. They're at three games now. But I still go with the Cavs at this point because um, they have a, a definitive leader in LeBron James. Everyone knows on the Cavs, when you're LeBron James's teammate, you're going to have a chance to win the finals. And people on other teams, you know, people keep talking about Golden State, how uh, Durant didn't want to go to the East because he, he didn't want to play LeBron until the finals, which even if that's true, like, that's pretty understandable. But even, even though, like, the fact that that's out there just shows you that people are giving LeBron James, his NBA peers, they're giving him the Jordan respect where it's like no one wants to face this guy in a playoff series. Despite the fact that he's 32, he's playing an unbelievable amount of minutes, which people aren't talking about anymore. Isn't that funny? Because he's handling it. But I'll leave it to you there. I mean, and, and I know, you know, Brian Winhurst, people love him, you hate him. But he said today, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, Brian, he said today that, that by, by the end of the regular season, the Cavs will be a, a better team going into the playoffs than the Cavs team that won the championship last year. I – yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's obvious only because the team, as I said, the talent's better. So when the talent's better, and you're in a similar position in terms of you're going to be the number one seed in the East, almost for sure. If you're not, it doesn't matter really at all. Um, so <laughs> I think yeah, I think that's obvious. I, I think that yeah, there'll be a better team heading in. Plus experience is always going to make you better. You know, as nice as it is to have that sort of hunger, you know, if I never won a championship before, you know, that first time, whatever, experience always is going to make you better. You've been there. Uh, It's it's something with the Indians that's been talked about uh, a lot. As the Indians are so talented, people are trying, and and I've done it with the Cavs myself. You try to find, like, reasons – to be mad at them, or, or you try to find issues or faults that they have. You do it just because there, there's so few faults. There's, it, it, you have to like create frustrations for yourself, almost. Uh, and, and again, I'm the type of person I, I'm more apt to react emotionally first, and then not too long after come to, to my perspective. But, you know, I, I think that this Cavs team is in such a perfect position heading into this, Ty Lue, having that type of experience again. And I think what's going to be important for the Cavs is you talked about, you know, no one's talking about the rest issue. I'll admit I'm still talking about it. You need something to talk about at the end of the day. So you you find things. So the minutes thing is my, like, obsession. Every game I'm obsessed. Like, I want LeBron to get 30 
six minutes instead of 37. Like, it matters. It, it, it's, it's stupid. It's idiotic, but you got to find something to talk about or something to stress about. I will say that one advantage you have that's important is getting this thing over with. Uh, the Cavs were able to sweep a couple series last year. They've had sweeps in the last two years. And when you do that, you do lessen the load a little bit because LeBron and Kyrie and this team, they're off. They're resting for a week. Happened twice last year. Uh, and ultimately, I think there's, you know, a, a good chance, whether it's Houston, which I'm not really it's too much of a believer in because they haven't done it yet, and I need to see it first. Houston or San Antonio, you would think that at least one series will be difficult for the Warriors, and it really, they should have a harder time getting out than the Cavs, or at least have one harder series than any series the Cavs could have, because look at these scrubs that the Cavs ultimately are facing, especially when you compare it, you know, you compare the two conferences, Brian. Well, that's the other thing, too, and, and, and again, that's where I give Cleveland the edge, because when you look at, I mean, I'm watching the game tonight between Oklahoma City and, and Portland, and Portland Staken is not going to, you know, they're probably not going to make the postseason. Um, no, no. I mean, they're they're not necessarily out of it yet. They're three games out, but they're 11 games under 500, and they are battling right now neck and neck with Oklahoma City, which is seventh. If Oklahoma City was in the East, they would be the fourth seed with home court. Right now, they're fighting to, to save their lives. And, and Brian, this, I, I think this topic is going to make you laugh when you look at uh, – I, I listen to Levitard's show every day. I know a lot of people don't like him. They do a local Miami hour before their national show, and I listen to it. They are t- debating right now is Miami – Miami, Brian, was 11-30. and 30. They are now 28-33. and 33. Still absolutely no threat to, to Cleveland, but to that point, they're debating today on their show, would they rather get the seventh seed and actually have a chance at beating someone in the first round, Boston, Washington, Toronto – or is it better to get the eight? No, you're going to lose, but you'll get a chance to play LeBron James, and and you'll at least get a chance to play him uh, once. And everybody on the show except for Dan said that they'd rather get the eight and know you're going to lose to Cleveland as opposed. Now Dan said why? He goes, you, what's the point? You know, like at least get a seven and get a chance. He's more of a big picture guy, not emotion. But isn't that funny how Miami knows they're not going to beat Cleveland? But Miami fans hope they just get a chance to just see LeBron James once. I don't think there's legitimate hate there. I think it's just the fact that they want to do anything to show LeBron that, hey, we, we're not what we were, we never will be. But, but the, the building didn't 100% fall down. The bricks are still standing as few as they are, and we're still here. I just thought that was funny because you look at where Cleveland is now. They're at the Boston Celtic, Los Angeles Lakers, whichever one you want to pick. That's what we there. That's where we are, Brian. Uh, this is the first time in, in our lifetime that we can remember that you're getting a true rivalry in sports. Where for the third time, there has not been a single three-time rematch in championship history since Boston and LA met uh, three times in four years in the '80s: '84, '85, '87, and it was it was one one after two in Boston. Or I'm sorry, LA won in '87, but and that kind of was like, you know, everybody at that point I think knew LA was was a little bit better. It, it came down to it was Magic's turn. He kind of took it from Larry, and uh, it, it's just funny to me that that Miami is now where they are, where they just want to remain relevant at all. And Cleveland is part of this just this story, and it's funny because, and, and and it's going to be the same thing with Golden State if when they meet if they meet in the finals again, no matter what happens in that series and. and History, 20 years from now, you can't talk about Golden State without mentioning Cleveland. And Cleveland, you won't be able to talk about without mentioning Golden State. They are married together, and it, it, it is a beautiful story that someone one day will write a book about this, about how these two teams, these two – and the whole, the whole Brian, and, and my little kind of last thing here, I know we want to do Blue Jackets if, if there's time permitting, but uh, – uh, started a little late tonight, and and basketball is just such in, at a great place right now. It's just fun to talk about. But, um, you know, it, 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 it what's happening right now in basketball is amazing, and I don't think sometimes people understand that that if you love the story, I mean, it, for parody, no, this is not good for parody. Everybody else knows. I mean, I watched the Chicago game tonight, and, and they beat uh, Golden State, and you and and, and, and 
nobody believes that, that Boston's going to beat the Cavs. Nobody does. Uh, you know, somebody made a good point today that the Brad Stevens coaches his guys. They play as they, they hit a certain point in the regular season and their game never gets better. Everyone knows Cleveland's going to raise their game in the playoffs. Boston won't. They, they won't. It, it's a cute story that they're staying close to it, and Isaiah Thomas gets his MVP chant. No. LeBron James is the regular season MVP, and if anybody tells you otherwise, they're not watching basketball. Yeah. I I don't know. I sent you a million places there, but that was my overall I know, NBA I know, I know. rant. That's like, I, I, no, I'm trying, I, I'll admit there, there were several rants I had, and I'm just trying to think of, of which route I want to go with this. Um, I'm going to go the route that I really want to go to least, but I just I can't help it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to myself, really, not necessarily anybody else. <laughs> maybe to people. Anybody that thinks like me. Um, I, I hate to even talk about anything Dan Lovitar brought up or ESPN, or, and especially Miami, because I have no respect for Miami. There's, there's no one from there. There's no real fans. <laughs> They don't have any fans. Before I was being really loud and angry. Now I'm being extremely passive aggressive, and um, uh, maybe not even patent, but just maybe straight aggressive. But <laughs> I, look, Miami. You want to hear the truth? The truth. Yeah, absolutely. For the four Miami, the fans, for, for, for the four Miami fans that are out there, I, let me tell you what you want. You don't want eight. You don't want seven. You got a great. NBA draft that's coming up. There's so much talent here. Hope that your freaking ping pong ball gets you in the top three and get in the lottery. I, I, honestly, truly, the only chance Miami has of doing any of moving forward and having a chance to compete in the next century is they bring in someone amazing from the draft. I think about that. Those Miami teams, you know, those championships, all three are gone now. Bosch is a terrible story, and it's sad, but he's out of the NBA. Maybe he comes back somewhere, maybe he doesn't, I don't know. But he's, at, at least this point, gone. No, no Wade, obviously, and no LeBron. So, you, I don't know, it doesn't matter whether you, you lose probably in five games to the Celtics or the Wizards or the, the Raptors, maybe six, or you lose in four games, because obviously it be four games. It wouldn't even be close. I, I, selfishly, as a Cavs fan, I'd love to play Miami because they're awful, and we would smack them, and it would be no contest. There'd be, there'd be an easier first-round opponent than the Pistons. Even though I think the Cavs would have probably sweep again, the Pistons are capable of taking a game. And Miami Heat or not, they've absolutely, there's no chance in, in, in hell that they, could, that they could do that. So, I don't know. I guess that, that, that that's – that's my, my sort of feeling on a little different uh, perspective, and that is uh, hope and pray you're in the lottery and you're lucky enough to, to get one of these great players. And as someone who's not really a big college basketball fan, I don't, I'm not going to talk about it because I don't know enough and I don't care enough at this particular point, especially because it doesn't impact the Cavs whatsoever. So let's spend a couple minutes, and then we've got to finish up, especially for you, it's really late. <laughs> really late as we're recording this in the East Coast. Brian Diardo is a trooper. But I, I, I'll give you the choice. We could either end a couple minutes of Blue Jackets, okay, or we could do a couple minutes of Combine, because the Combine is coming up this weekend in Indianapolis, starts Friday. We could talk a little bit of Combine or a little bit of Blue Jackets finish it up what, 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 what would, you, would you prefer to do well, let's see if we could do both real quick but let's start with the combine and time permitting we'll hit it up with blue jackets for parting shots you can do parting shots with blue jackets final slap shots of the show but let's do the combine first you can do that parting shots is something that came from an ESPN show so I have to bow out of that but if you'd like to do it you can do it this, this is how deep it All is right, man. So you, I know enough to watch talk enough to ESPN yeah, sorry. And, and parting shots, by I the way, is from the sport, part, parting shots is from the sports reporters, which is kind of funny because that's actually not a terrible show. I actually really have well, no take problem it from with that. them. That's fine. Really like Let's call it slap shot. But, but there you go. There you go. Here, here's my thing. The big thing with the combine is the Oklahoma running back that's not allowed to come, and that's been a big thing because of the domestic dispute situation. It's kind of like the Kaepernick story where. In the free agency market, not about any football. It's about the national anthem stands. At the combine, it's about uh, the Oklahoma running back uh, Nixon. I think is it Joe Nixon is his name, and he's not allowed Joe to, Mixon. to. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Thank you. He's not allowed to come 
because uh, you know he he was involved in a domestic you know dispute um, with a with his, I believe it was his girlfriend at the time at Oklahoma. He was able to play. It happened before the 16th season. He he, he did play. Apparently he's 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 made a remarkable comeback. It was just a terrible lapse in judgment. Obviously, I don't condone what he did, but because of that, the NFL put into into place this year that if you have been involved in a domestic or you know dispute issue or you were suspended for drugs, even if it's just marijuana, you, you can't compete in the combine. So you know, and he, I, I'm sure there's other players, but he is the notable player that is not there. Mike Tomlin said that he's against it. But there was a general – or it was for him not being there. But I saw another general manager. I can't remember the team. He said that it's it's pretty much bull crap and he should be there because nobody faints. And it's football. So because of that, you know, the Steelers today visited with Wayne Gallman, who's a good running back. I mean, nothing wrong with them. Uh, they visited with uh, Dante uh, Foreman. But these aren't – I mean, Nixon's the best running back in this draft, most likely. And so, you know – to me, I, I I honestly don't know where I stand with this. I'm actually okay with it because I'm fine with the NFL having structure because they're going to have a pro day. And you can do the 40 and you can talk to teams. I mean, it's not exactly like the combine and, and you're going to make teams have to travel. But you know what? He's not going to lose his chance to uh, show what he can do. So I'm actually okay with it. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that route of the combine. But, uh, yeah, the Combine's crazy to me. It, it really is because, uh, you know, I honestly – I think I got that a few you, thoughts you, on that, too, I will say. I, I am definitely something I'm interested in discussing a little bit. Go for it. My my parting shots on the Combine was I think there's a lot of value there. I, and not necessarily in the 40 times, but with the meetings. Mike Tomlin said he can sometimes decide when he's going to – if he wants someone when they walk into the room, what they're wearing, what they say – everything and I think it's those interviews that go down not necessarily the 40 times is what makes the combine so valuable so those are kind of my thoughts about the combine the drama outside and then what actually happens inside yeah and I think that the two are intertwined so I am vehemently yes. against them not letting them participate I, I, I cannot disagree more now the reason has nothing to do with this kid I got to be honest with you it's honestly more of a justice thing what do you think is realistically easier him for him, for the man personally, to not be there or to be there? I don't think there's any question in terms of not having to address all of the issues that you good created. Point. It's got to be really, really tough to be Joe Mixon at the Combine. You're actually bailing the guy out. And furthermore, you're making it harder on your teams and your organizations and I did, I did read this. Uh, I don't remember who, who the quote was from, but it's so true. You're making teams have to chase and talk, talk to this guy and go find him because you have to. You have to do your due diligence. The NFL is too tough. It's too hard to win. If this guy can be an impact player and if you feel like from a you know, character perspective, you feel comfortable, you owe it to yourself, not really to your fans, but you owe it to yourself, to, to go for it. And every team is going to talk to him. I mean, maybe there'll be one or two holier than thou teams that won't. I don't know. But I, I can't imagine you're not, you have to do your due diligence. So make it tough on the guy. Make it, yes, it's an opportunity, certainly, but opportunity is irrelevant to me because all you got to do is get a, a team or a couple teams to fall in love with you during your workouts. So I don't think how you perform here, and you see so often, Brian, guys, perform much better so I think what you said is so true and I, I, I yeah the interviews the mental piece I don't know if that wonder look matters I gotta be honest I consider myself to be pretty well educated smart in some things and idiotic in, in some other things but I was watching it uh some questions on NFL Network late last night from the wonder look test and I gotta say I don't remember what the questions were I didn't know the answers to most of them and you have to like know it quickly so I hope that thing doesn't matter very much because I consider myself to not be like stupid, and uh, I was I would have done so bad on that thing. It's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, hey, Joe Mixon, make the guy have to do it. I, I will say the only other thing I would I have to respectfully take exception to is this is actually a really really deep talented running back class, and ultimately I I I mean I I don't think you could really say that Alvin Cook or Leonard for that for instance. Let's just just name two that those guys aren't aren't better than Joe Mixon, so I I don't know. But but anyway, yeah, it, it's 
lot to work with. So if you'd like to conclude with the jackets, you can, or you want to wrap it up with some combine points, we can do that and uh, get a little over the 45 marker tonight, 45 to 50, as opposed to our usual hour plus. <laughs> I've still been good, Brian. I've enjoyed doing it. But, uh, yeah, man, so far we, we, we obviously hammered the NBA today and uh, like where Cleveland's at, and uh, we'll see if you're going to have to get the – uh, the Chief Wahoo <laughs> tattoo. So if you follow our podcast, they, you know, they stick around for that. That's something that Brian committed to. There's only about 20 games left in the regular season for both the NHL uh, uh, and the NBA. And talking in the NHL right now, uh, the Blue Jackets are on a, you know, they won one of those just gritty, gutty games tonight. Uh, one nothing over the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota is, I mean, they have more points than Columbus. So this was honestly, you want to call it an upset. Uh, Minnesota is now 41, 15, and six with 88 points. Columbus 40, 16, and six with 86 points. This is this is a big league win for the Blue Jackets. Bobrovsky 38 saves in the shutout. He now has 33 victories, a career best, and it might be a Blue Jackets career best for a single season. Um, not positive on that. So you know, for the Blue Jackets across the board, they're one of the best teams in the league. They're fifth in goals per game, third in goals against. And they're sixth on the power play, which surprises me because their success rate is at a 22% clip. Penalty kill is 10th. So that is actually their weakest facet of their team is penalty kill. And they're 10th in the league at 82.2 success percentage rate. So, I mean, across the board, this is an unbelievably sound team. And uh, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, as I've been saying, I mean, it bothers me when people say uh, since the 16-game winning streak, well, they're not as good as they were. Well, I'm gonna, those fans need to shut up. Their last 10, they're 6-3-1. and one. What do you want? After that 16-game winning streak, this team could have went 500 the rest of the way and made the playoffs easily. Yes, they would have lost home ice, but they would have made it as a 6 or a 7 seed. Um, now, I mean, they're, they, are, they are three games over 500 and have gotten a point, at least a point, in seven out of their last 10 games. And in their last 10 games, have 13 points. That's plenty of points. They're still playing well, so I'm dispelling. And, and they have a better record in their last 10 than the Rangers, than the Penguins. So those are, you know, two teams that they're trying to compete against, uh, you know, in standing in the net. Washington is the only team that's done better than Columbus in their last 10, and they're 7-2-1. and one. So the only team so, – so really, I mean, Columbus keeps gaining ground on Pittsburgh. The fact that they have held off Pittsburgh, and now we are uh, at, at, at – there's been 62 games played, so exactly 20 games left. Pittsburgh is still looking up at Columbus. The fact that Columbus – Right now, if the season ended, would would be uh, the number two seed because that's how they do things in, in the divisions. Um, well, they should be the number two seed based on best record. Um, I don't like the way the NHL does their seedings. I, I think they they need to fix that for next year. But um, in general, Brian, I mean, Columbus has proven that, that they're legit. I mean, since the 16-game winning streak, I know they lost, you know, two in a row after that and things looked bleak, but, but much like the Cavaliers – uh, they've had a couple of a very little, little losing skids, very little. That, but but during those losing skids, they've they've found their way. They changed goaltenders. Um, their younger players are getting better. They've brought guys up from from the Cleveland uh, minor league unit that won a championship last year in the minors. So uh, this is long winded, Brian. But but our little slap shot segment here, talking Blue Jackets. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: they are a very formidable foe. It, it'll be interesting to see uh, for them the goal in the next twenty games. Avoid a big losing skid and avoid injuries. Other than that, you keep playing the way you're playing. You're going to set yourself up really good for the postseason. But, but as I said, to wrap things up, it's not. It's it will not be remembered as a great Blue Jack, the best Blue Jacket season, unless they win a playoff round. I don't just just like Cleveland with the injuries with Golden State. It doesn't matter who you play, even if it's Pittsburgh. If you want to be a big boy, you got to beat Pittsburgh, the Rangers, or Washington. Either way, you got to beat someone good. It doesn't matter who. Yep, you definitely do. And you're talking about, you know, the strength of the Blue Jackets and, and, and you know, lately. On a very, very, very small micro level, we talk about uh, and Sir David Roski, the best. Uh, he is so great. The Blue Jackets, two very tough games at Montreal, right, and then home to Minnesota the last two games. The Blue Jackets, one goal in two games. One! One goal! The Blue Jackets, points, three. Overtime loss, due in part to a controversial penalty, 
on Seth Jones, the defenseman, although I would say that there was also a goal that was removed due to the whistle being blown by the ref. It was the correct decision once the, the, wrestle, the, the ref blew the whistle. But I think Montreal actually wins the game earlier in overtime. So that's irrelevant. But three points, three out of a possible four points against two really good teams, all because of the great Sergei Bobrovsky. Not all. The, the defense obviously played great to do that. But Sergei Bobrovsky, Bob, the guy's something else. He's playing great. He's uh, confident right now. And you just, yeah, you feel good. Now, hey, if you're the Jackets, you, you, you got to get yourself in that top in that top three. You have to. And, hey, because there's so few games left, at a certain point, even though I'd like to think there's no way that they get past the Penguins when it's all said and done, and I'd like to think that it's going to be very hard for them to, to even beat the Rangers, at a certain point, Brian, and you can finish off as, as a fan, you know, of, of the Penguins, but also, you know, the Blue Jackets, I mean, man, I, I the Jackets have a legitimate chance to, to get more points than the Penguins. They actually have a shot at doing that. The reigning Stanley Cup champions. It's mind-boggling, but th- at this point through the season, as you said, what, three-fourths of the way through the season, you have to at least at this point say, hey, it's a possibility. It really is. It absolutely is. And the funny thing is in Pittsburgh, no one is looking at this as an aberration or like a bad season. I mean, Pittsburgh is, is 38, 16, and 8 for 84 points. I mean, they have uh, the fourth best record or the third best record in, in the Met and, or in the whole conference. And if they were in the Atlantic, they'd have a four-point lead on Montreal coasting, uh, you know, much like the Cavs in the NBA in their division. They'd be pretty much coasting. And, and so – funny because no one in Pittsburgh is panicking but and that's why I like I said and, and I hate it the, the way beginning of this podcast that 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 we we said would be short but which is okay it's turning out to be the normal normal size of our regular ones but uh you know it's time for people to acknowledge Columbus as a legitimate team at least this season I mean sure you know we can't say yet that we're going to be consistently good because we haven't strung together two really good seasons ever we haven't we the the, you know, if the you know the Blue Jackets will, so when they make the playoffs this year, it'll be the first time ever that well, they'll be it'll be the third time ever, and then next year they'll have to be the first team to make it back to back into the postseason. But at least for now, everybody in the league, ha- even Penguin fans, whoever, you have to admit that the the Blue Jackets are for real. And I think I think for Columbus, um, I think it would benefit them to play Pittsburgh. I don't think it would benefit Pittsburgh to play Columbus. Um, but at the end of the day, just like with Pittsburgh, you have to take on all comers. Or with, with Columbus, like Pittsburgh, you have to take on all comers. You have to beat whoever lines up against you. So, you know, uh, that's why, you know, I've talked to my father about it a lot. He always says, I don't want to play Columbus. They'll be too physical. It's like, okay, so whatever. If you're really the best team, you will overcome all of those odds. Yes, albeit it, it could make it harder, but you, you'll have to overcome all those odds. And that's where, at the end of the day, you know, with the Cleveland, with everybody, the best team's going to win this whole thing. Injuries, whatnot, uh, everybody will prevail. The best team will prevail. So, but, uh, but yeah, Columbus right now, I mean, they certainly have a chance. And I think, again, for Pittsburgh, I don't think they're really worried about that. I think their, their thing is uh, be as healthy as possible for the playoffs. That's, that's where Pittsburgh's mindset is. And, and obviously – they don't want to lose. They've lost two in a row now, so they don't want to lose too many games where they'll be in serious uh, jeopardy of not hosting a first round series. That's the one thing that Columbus, that Pittsburgh doesn't. Uh, they don't want, obviously. But other than that, I think they just want to be healthy. And I'll say this, Brian: if Columbus hosts a first round playoff series against Pittsburgh, wouldn't that be something? That would be really. That would be really neat. That would be really neat. Um, you know, I, I think that. My approach always is you have to prove it first. So I have no yep. problem with, with Penguins fans not considering the Jackets' arrival, not, whether they respect the Jackets or not. I don't even care. They're the reigning Stanley Cup champs. They have the experience, and they have Sid Crosby, Sidney Crosby. And oh, by the way, uh, you know, Jenny Malkin and a tremendous team around them. So, I, look, I, let, if it's obviously, look, the Jackets beat the Penguins. Then we're talking about maybe not a rivalry, but certainly a pretty frustrated Penguin oh, fan. Oh, it's a rivalry. Say, hey, 
the team, the team we want to go go after next year is uh, you know above all else is the Blue Jackets. Should that happen? But I don't know. I, I it would be it would be fun. But I really am. I'll be honest that, with you, Brian. Uh, you know, oh. Sorry ahead. to cut you off there. I, I think that I think the Penguins and the Blue. I think we both need a rival. And that's my thing is why don't we just make it that it would be I'm I'm going to go ahead and say this and I hope that no one in my family is listening to this which you know I I hope no one outside of you and me hears this which I, you know I, yes and no I want people to listen to the podcast and inevitably they will based on the numbers from the last two weeks and thank you to everybody that listens to our show this has been a lot of fun I, Jeff, I, hold on. Hey, I I'm sorry I'm obligated I'm obligated to to, to comment there so hey man you know. Don't, don't try to convince people not to listen to the podcast. Come on. Don't do that. I'm kidding. I don't want people to hear me out on this, but, you know, I, it, it would be good for this rivalry if Columbus would beat Pittsburgh. I, in it, in it, listen. I would regret it the second it it happened if if Columbus won. But there's a part of me that almost wants to see it happen, and that's where I, I if my friends or if my family wants to disown me now, go ahead. But it it would be excellent for the rivalry because I think Columbus needs a rival, and I think Pittsburgh needs a rival because Penguin fans keep lying to themselves saying that that Philadelphia is their rival. They're not. That Philadelphia is further away than Columbus is. And people that live in Pittsburgh, most of them have never been to Philadelphia and vice versa because they don't want to go there, <laughs> both of them. So it, this this is the rival, and it just needs it needs a Columbus victory, and, and it will be one. It will be one next year. It will be one. All it needs is the fan base in Pittsburgh to take the Blue Jackets seriously. That's all it takes. And if they fear them and they don't like them, they don't like Dubinsky, which is hilarious. I mean, my eight-year-old uh, cousin – Knows Brandon Dubinsky's name, 200 miles away in Pittsburgh, or how far away it is, 150, whatever. But it, it, they both need a rival, so it would be good for the rivalry if if Columbus won. Um, again, not saying I want that to happen. I'm just saying that would be the better scenario if this rivalry was going to actually become one. I think that's for sure. Yeah. I- you need the underdog has to has to get that punch in for it to happen. Right? There's no doubt about it. So and that's why the hey, right. if the Indian, if the if the if the uh, if the, if the all the all the Browns need to do is beat Pittsburgh once next year and things change a little bit. I'm dead honest with you. It takes one win. I I don't really see that at all personally because the. Browns have beaten those Steelers in the last couple of years. I mean, I was at a game in Cleveland. I, winning in Pittsburgh, I think, would, would, would be nice because the Browns haven't done it since 2003. But I think that's a bit of a stretch. So I, I, I will respectfully disagree with that. But what I will say is that I think it's time, sir, that we, we wrap this up. Uh, it's been, been good, but it's getting late for me. And for you, it's really late. So I feel bad, uh, and, and I, th- I think it's time, time to end this. But you know what? Good good times. Appreciate everyone for listening. I appreciate you, Mr. Diardo, uh, as always, and especially for being honest about, uh, you know, something that goes against your team. Good for you for, 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 uh, for saying that. Respe- much respect. And uh, I, I do want to end with one point, uh, a combine note that has nothing to do with football. Uh the most important thing that's going on at the Combine to me, to Brian Rosen, not to Cleveland fans, obviously it's Browns related, but to Brian Rosen, I'm just being completely honest with you, to Brian Rosen at this time for sure, um, is Dr. James Andrews is, you know, at the Combine, as, as he usually is, except he is a visitor, and it's David Price of the Boston Red Sox. He's there because he has elbow issues. That's a big problem. Elbow issues could potentially mean, now this is a second opinion, by the way, Second opinion. So this could be really bad news for him. It could be really bad news for him. Obviously, he's a great pitcher. Uh, you know, statistically, there's a lot, you know, he's done a lot of good things over the last couple of years. But the one point that I want to make, and this is very important to me, and we'll end it right here. David Price, no matter how hurt you are, please, I'm begging you, please, please be back for the playoffs if we play you or even in general, because you guys are good, 
and I want the Red Sox to lose. Please be back for the playoffs because you're so awful in the playoffs, and we need you to suck yet again to hurt the Boston Red Sox. On that note, for Brian DiArdo, I'm Brian Rosen. It's been an interesting one. It's been a good one. We appreciate you. Sticking around, the DiArdo Show is over.